Welcome to the Next Level Life podcast with Christine Corcoran, where I talk all things mindset, motivation, and entrepreneurship. Each week, I will endeavor to bring you a new episode with a thought, insight, or interview with an inspiring thought leader or successful business owner, all about taking your life and business to the next level. Each episode is designed to open up your mind to a new perspective and inspire you to live your life with purpose and passion. Ready to get started? Let's go. Welcome to episode 64 of the Next Level Life podcast, Disrupting an Industry for Good with Adam McCurdy, co-founder and director of Humanitix. Adam McCurdy was an engineer and mathematician and consulting for an IT company when he came up with an idea to transform the events ticketing industry into a force for good. He worked together with his best mate from high school, Joshua Ross, and founded Humanitix in 2015. Humanitix is the first not-for-profit ticketing platform in the world to redirect its share of billions of dollars of event booking fees to solve social challenges including poverty, disadvantage, and education gaps. Humanitix was recently announced as the winner of the Google Impact Challenge and will receive a share of $5.5 million in grant funding as they continue to help create better futures for Australians. Throughout today's episode, we talk all about his journey and how they created it from an idea to a successful startup, creating a compelling way to give back at the same time as being commercial, the importance of nurturing relationships and best mate friendships, that the best advice is just giving it a try and learning along the way, being comfortable with change, the value of surrounding yourself with good people, the power of persistence, developing culture as you grow that you cannot rely on just being ethical, you still need to be effective, and dealing with issues with team members as they arise. This conversation was such a great insight into exactly what it takes to create a startup and create a startup that is actually making the difference in the world. I hope you enjoy this conversation and let's get straight to it. Awesome. So I would love to welcome you to the podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today, Adam. Thank you. My pleasure. I'm so excited to get into this conversation and find out a little bit more about everything that's been happening with you and Humanitics. Can you tell us a little bit about your background before you started Humanitics? Yeah, sure. I was uh, registered as a mechanical engineer and a mathematician out of university. And I went into management consulting, of, of all things. So I was predominantly working in the communications, media, and technology space, particularly as as big data started to become a thing and was working on a lot of projects of that nature. And I also went in and did a, a master's of agriculture and environmental economics. And I just kind of found that to be particularly interesting. So I thought I'd, I'd do a master's in that. And that was, that was it. I was there. I was a consultant for quite a number of years. And then uh, Josh, my co-founder and I hatched this plan for, for humanities. And then we, we just kind of threw everything at it and haven't looked back since. Mm, that's awesome. So what came about that drew you to disrupting the ticketing platform or how did the idea get hatched? Yeah, uh, Josh and I, we were friends since high school and we had always, I guess, found the idea of social business, social enterprise really interesting and compelling. So the idea of using business as a force for good. That, um, that, that charities are burdened with solving the biggest problems in our society and their fundraising, the way that they operate, is not necessarily uh, optimized and that particularly transforming businesses to start to be focused on solving these bigger problems that charities are burdened with is a really 
really compelling idea and something that we wanted to be involved with. Um, and so we, we played around with a whole bunch of ideas. It was everything from social media platforms that could be a social enterprise in some way or, you know, a whole bunch of ideas. But then the ticketing industry continued to stand out as, as really the perfect industry with the perfect ingredients to be disrupted in a, in a social sense. And that's what we set about doing. We, we found that the industry was uh, tens of billions of dollars in size. It's comprised of these booking fees that everybody hates when they're buying tickets to a show or something. And there's no social value that's provided by these ticketing companies. And there's, there's just essentially not much difference between many of the players out there. Um, and we found that to be a huge issue and, and a huge opportunity to start to redirect that profit, resented profit pool into um, alleviating global inequality. Awesome. It's so important. And I think too, like now that it's available, it's like, well, duh, why wasn't this something that people didn't think of before? And each month at the Love What You Do collective events, when we talk about the give back that we have and the fact that your the tickets that you've purchased to come to this event, the booking fees are actually going to this charity. And we, ch we change it up each month. So we're depending on um, which one we choose. So, and it depends on the topic that we're doing that month as well. So we do, it, the impact is really lovely in the way that people actually look at it and go, oh, wow, that's really cool. So it's, a, it's definitely something that people are wanting to be a part of. So it's really cool. So Thank you. Uh, can I tell you the, tr the trick that, to that is that we give the organizer the credit for the social impact that we create with those booking fees. So we very happily stand to the side and say to the event organizer, thank you very much for using Humanitics. Congratulations. You've now, you deciding to use Humanitics has now resulted in eight and a half thousand dollars of resented booking fees now being distributed to this particular Indigenous education scholarship program, for example. And now you can go off and tell people about that on social media or via email any way you want, because thank you, that was your doing that you decided to, to, to create that. And so that's what we find is that it's really compelling because now there's a commercial incentive for organizers to use humanitics as well as just simply being the right thing to do. Mm, absolutely. So you came up with the idea and I'm sure it wasn't just, okay, let's do this and make it happen. How, what was the journey? Tell us a little bit about how that came about. <laughs> yeah. So so, you know, as every new idea, you, you've got your day job and in your spare time on late nights and on weekends where you were, you know, trying to get this idea off the ground, trying to test it, trying to see if this had, had legs, particularly in ticketing. Uh, and and then it got to the stage where we realized, okay, I, I really think we're onto something here and, and we really need to start to put our foot down. But, you know, Josh was working in finance, in funds management. I was working at a hedge at, at a management consultancy and, uh, and, and, and there's not much time, spare time. So we thought, right, we need to leave our jobs to focus on this full time. Otherwise, it's just impossible to really get something properly going at the stage that we were at. Um, but we thought to ourselves, it's silly for both of us to leave our jobs. We don't have any investors. Humanitics is a not-for-profit, so we, we can't even attract investors if we try to because uh, there's no equity value. And we had to self-fund the thing. So we thought, it's best that one of us leave our jobs to go full time on humanitics and the other one stay in their job. So with my engineering background, we decided that it was best for me to leave my job, give up my salary and, and, and be exposed to and, and focus full time on trying to build humanitics for us. Uh, but Josh would stay in his job at the hedge fund 
so that we could continue to self-fund the idea and share his salary uh, to keep us both afloat. And so we shared a salary for roughly 18 months until we were simply, we reached a point that we were just getting flooded with more and more event organizers and events. And the idea was really kind of starting to take off. The platform itself was starting to get really competitive. And Josh then had to leave his job, join me full time. And at that stage, we then were both volunteering full time, getting this idea uh, to continue to grow. And, and then that was a few months after that, that the first philanthropists that were really excited by what we were doing decided to join us and to, um, and to, you know, to, to help us fund this and to grow our, to grow our staff and to grow our headcount and really start to throw everything at this to build really compelling software and, and, and grow. And that was just what a, wow, what an experience to go through that with the, with the, with the best mate uh, yeah. to do that on a handshake. It's quite a thing. And to know that the friendship's still intact, like <laughs> that's, yeah. that's massive. Like I can't even imagine going, Hey, can you pay for the groceries? I'm <laughs> like, just, yeah, cool. Very cool. Very nice to see that that's um, still a really strong part of, I guess your values of being really having that friendship at the same time as building a business is I'm sure was challenging along the way. So yeah. you mentioned that you then had in the kind of the philanthropist come along. How did you know who was the right person to work with and how, how did that all transpire? From the philanthropist, like which philanthropist would be interested? Um, yeah, so we, we really just started, we reached a stage where it was, the pilot was obviously working incredibly well. And we were talking to corporates, to some more successful businessmen and women around the community and and found that the individual i guess high net worth philanthropist was was it was the best fit and they were somebody that was would be excited by a humanitics that had leverage uh on their philanthropic dollar that you know if if humanitics at this we were saying you know if this works this would mean that at scale we will be redistributing millions of dollars in booking fees every single year towards ending global inequality and be self-sustainable, completely sustainable ourselves. And that is a completely unique concept that, mm. that you, as a charity, you can be sustainable and be doing so much good and to provide leverage on the money that you've received from philanthropists. So that took quite a specific kind of philanthropist to really get to be interested in that and to be willing to take the risk because obviously the, obviously the risk is, is that humanitics doesn't work and, 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 the, and the money would have been best spent, you know, I guess just donating uh, you know, donating to one of the charities that they support regularly. Mm. So, and that was, that was high, high net worth businessmen and women. And, and we were, yeah, really, uh, really, really grateful to, to, I guess, have their support and, and that they were backing us to succeed and they thought that we could succeed. Mm. But it was bloody tough to talk to. We talked to a, before we got a yes, we talked to a hell of a lot of no's. That's for yeah. sure. <laughs> and how did you know, like, like, was it that, like, what's, what had to happen for you guys to go, yeah, this is the right person? Like, was there anything in particular or was it that they were like, yes, yeah, so I'm in? Yeah, definitely. It was that they said yes. It, we, 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 weren't being, <laughs> we were not being uh, picky uh, as, to, as, as to who we were going to receive money from. We were, we were uh, you can't, I can't tell you how grateful we were to have, have somebody believe in us and then a few people believe in us and then lots of people believe in us and that that was that was awesome and yeah because it's not a it's not a 
uh, it's a pretty unique concept that we're mm -hmm. that we're trying to get people to buy into. And now, there, now it's working, and now it makes sense. And so you look back and you think, great. But you know, when 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 you're just kind of a an idea that's got a little bit of promise because of a pilot, mm. it's a much more difficult sell. And I think too, like even though it's only been you know three years, like a lot's changed in just in society in the way that so many more people are wanting to give back. Like, I don't know if, mm. if you've noticed that, but I've definitely noticed that. Like there's so many more businesses out there wanting to be aligned with charities. They're wanting to be aligned with some form of give back and they're constantly looking for opportunities to utilize their business for good. So I think that's also mm. the whole landscape's changed as well. Yeah. I think there's, yeah, also been a, there's almost an expectation now that you, mm. that your business does something. Um, yeah, it's becoming, it's really promising to see that, that trend. Um, yeah, I think that, I think it also might be linked to, uh, the motivation and engagement of employees around a particular company that, you know, if a company is making a genuine effort to use their platform as a way to distribute good as well as, you know, making profits for their, for their own survival, then, you know, that's some, that's a place you want to work for. Mm, absolutely. So was there a moment early on that, you kind of look back on and go, yep, that was a time where we were like, yep, this is going to work. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's, that's interesting. But to be honest, I, no, I don't think so. We, we've just, we've had our heads down and we've been, you know, you just keep, I don't know, we've just had our heads down so for so long and then you eventually put your head up and, and I guess we're, we're doing right. quite well now and, and that's great, but, you know, we've got a long way to go if we really want to achieve what, what we want to, which is totally revolutionizing the industry. And we haven't achieved revolutionizing the industry yet. So we don't see ourselves as yet having done what we've set out to do. We've just, we've got a lot of, uh, we've got a good start and we're doing a lot of good on the way because we, we obviously are redistributing the 100% of the profits of all the fees we're getting our hands on on the way. And that's really cool. But um, yeah, I guess we, we'll only feel like we've made it when the entire ticketing industry is expected to do what we're doing. Mm, awesome. And what type of impact would you like to see, say in the, in the next, say five years? Yeah. In the next five years, um, on, on our budgets, we're, we're looking to redistribute, uh, somewhere in the ballpark of eight to $9 million in fees, wow. um, to our charitable projects. So that's, it would be predominantly around in the third world, literacy programs and life skills programs, particularly for girls in the developing world. Um, we work very closely with the Atlassian Foundation now, and they've really opened our eyes to the, the sustainable benefits of education as a focus for ending inequality, as well as the social return on invested capital in, in investing in life skill programs and literacy programs, particularly for girls in, in that region. Um, and as well, here in Australia, we, we focus heavily on Indigenous scholarships and Indigenous education, um, as Indigenous people are by far the most disadvantaged group in the country. And is there a reason why that is important to you? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, our aim is to alleviate and end global inequality. And so education is the most sustainable way to do that. Mm. Um, we are living in, in one of the most privileged countries in the world. I've been lucky to receive a fantastic education and to grow up in a family that, you know, valued education and, and, and did all those wonderful things. And, 
you can't you can't sit in your posi- in a position like this and then not not try to afford that to other people that that haven't been so lucky in my opinion um you know there's history is marked with with countless examples of of when you're in a position to do something do it mm. um, to make the world a better place because otherwise history will judge you for it <laughs> if anything um and and i very much feel that that i'm in that situation and josh is in that situation and everybody that that is you know working with us is is, is very much of that mindset mm, awesome so what would you say one of the biggest challenges has been since the start the biggest challenge by far was initially raising money um like i said with the philanthropists that joined us we weren't picky um that was that was very difficult um we we decided from day one that we wanted to be a charity, meaning a, a not-for-profit organization that gives 100% of its profits to its charitable um, objects, uh, in uh, its ambitions, and that, that that means that you've got no equity. So, you know, an investor comes to you and says, ah, oh, great, you've got this exciting startup, you're taking on the ticketing industry, you're now doing you know, a bunch of ticket sales, this sounds really interesting, can I invest? And you say, uh, no, because there's no... There's no equity to invest in, but I'll, but how about a donation? <laughs> and then they look at you like you're absolutely mad because, well, I'm not donating to a software platform that's going to sell tickets that then is going to get their hands on booking fees to then redistribute to charity. You know, like um, that, that it makes sense now because we're just doing it, but you know, that's a really difficult sell because the way people view philanthropy typically, and you know, and that's more stereotypical philanthropic sense is, it just doesn't align with online ticketing, you know, mm-hmm. uh, being used as a force for good. So uh, that that was by far the biggest the biggest uh, challenge that we've set, faced to date. And and you know we've been very lucky. Now we've received funding from those uh, individual philanthropists, but now also the Atlassian Foundation has come in and it loves what we're doing. Their ambition is to educate 10 million disadvantaged children over the next decade, and they've taken the view that we're a, we're a great um, asset to help them achieve that. Mm-hmm. And most recently, Google has announced us as a Google Impact Challenge winner. So we've just received a uh, million dollars in funding from Google last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was, that was being part of that uh, challenge and they really like what we're doing. And um, so, well, I, I mean, it's surreal to have, yeah, to have actually come that far to, to, fund, to fund this project. Amazing. So what have you learned about yourself through the journey? Yeah, I, 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 I think I, hmm. No one's really asked me that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. What do you Um, think? Has anything changed or have you become aware of a certain strength that you've had or any type of quality that you didn't realize you had before? Yeah, I, I think it's mainly just the benefit of trusting um, maybe just trusting my intuition a bit. Um, typically somebody, you know, engineer, science background, I, I, you know, I, I, I typically only do something if it, if it, if I really thought about it properly and it makes sense. And I've just kind of more and more learned the value of just trying something and just giving it a go. And, and that, and that, 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 that's, that's what's best. That's what always works out best is if, is, is if I just try something. And um, that's certainly what happened here with Humanitics, that we just, we just kind of tried it and, and, and then learnt along the way and then changed things up as we went and then 
you, it's just impossible to try and map out and strategize, you know, a journey from a startup. And, and, I, and I've learned that in myself, that that's, that's just something to, that I've, you know, to be comfortable in and with that, um, that that's okay. That's, that's exactly to be expected. You, you, you'll drive yourself insane if you, if you just try to <laughs> think about every single little thing that's going to happen along your way and, and, and try to give yourself certainty as to what the path is exactly is going to look like. And yeah, I've certainly learned to be more comfortable with that. Mm, awesome. What do you think you've learned about friendship over the years? <laughs> it matters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah friendship yeah friendship really matters um well uh the value of value of surrounding yourself with good people that have good values that you can trust that want the best for you and you want the best for them uh that is that's that that's process Mm, absolutely i agree what would you say is I wanted to ask you what you, has been your proudest moment over the years, but seeing what's just happened with Google, like, <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking that that might be one of them. But if, is there another moment that you can think of that has been one of your proudest moments? Yeah, honestly, the, the, the proudest moment was the day Josh left his job to join me full-time. And then we, we, we managed to, to, I guess, it was the analogy would be that we both wanted to climb over this wall and he gave me a leg up to climb over the wall. And then I turned around and I was able to extend my arm down and yank him over the wall to, to be on the other side of the wall that that we wanted to be on, you know, which was growing a really exciting charity, doing really exciting, cool things. And, and the fact that we just pulled that off um, as a team, that was, that was really, that was really awesome. Um, also, I mean, at the beginning of this year, we were fortunate enough to interview uh, Professor Muhammad Yunus. He was the Nobel Peace Prize winner for he invented microfinance and has oh, lifted wow. millions of people out of poverty, um, starting in Bangladesh and then and then moving around um, other parts of, of Asia. And just a phenomenal uh, character. And he came here as part of his uh, visit with Grameen Australia. And uh, myself and Josh were asked to interview him as, at, at the main event um, and, and really just get a moment to, to meet him and, and to talk with him and to, I guess, share some ideas and hear, and hear what he has to say. And that was, that was just surreal and that was just so, so amazing to, to, that we had just come to that point that Grameen Australia looked at us and said, we want you, Humanitics, to be Grameen Australia's first social business partner we love what you're doing and, and we, we, think, we think what you're doing is so great that, that we, we want you to interview Professor Eunice when he comes here to, at our main event. And that was, mm. um, that was, that was really something special. Mm. Incredible. Anything in particular that, that resonated with you or that you took away from that? Uh, yeah. The, the, I mean, his personal story of, of, how he, of how he created Grameen Bank was one of uh, raw persistence. And, and yeah, you just, you hear him tell that story about, about his, his idea of financing, um, essentially the poor. So providing loans to people that the bank thought, no way are we going to give loans to, to the poorest people in our country and that he was laughed out of banks and that we, uh, and that he managed to, 
you know, get slowly get around that with just pure persistence because he because he knew what he was doing was right the right thing to do. Mm. Try to yeah, we've tried to take that into our journey as well. Mm, incredible, and like honestly, that's probably the best thing to have when you're trying to be an entrepreneur is having that consistent p- persistence, like just literally getting back up after you've been knocked, knocked back down and, you know, keep going no matter what, whether anybody's watching or anybody's listening, it's something you just got to keep doing. Hey, if you believe in it. Yeah. yeah, that's right. That's right. And that's where it helps to have a good, good co-founder or a good friend at least. <laughs> yeah. Good way to bounce ideas off. Hey, <laughs> is there anything that you do to develop yourself? in regards to like your own education furthering on in regards to your business? Uh, yeah, I, I, I try to do as, as much reading as I can, although I'm, I'm trying to do more reading than I currently am. It's, it's sometimes difficult. Um, but no, it's mainly, it's mainly just exercise and I, I really enjoy hiking. I find that's the best thing of all to just, uh, to just go hiking. I love the um, Butterwang National Park, particularly it's in the south coast, just, just inland of Jervis Bay in, in, here in New South Wales. And um, you can just go there for four days and see nobody, and and that's yeah, wow. that's 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 a really great way to just <laughs> get rid of the clutter and uh, and come back with a bit of a clearer mind. Yeah, nice. Is there anything else that you do to set yourself up for success? Like, do you have a set morning routine, or is there anything else that you do? Uh, no, I, I I don't actually. Um, I've I've tried. Uh, <laughs> on a few of the uh, early morning routines, I—I I mean, I'll—I'll—I'll I'll, I'll do I'll do exercise every morning, which which I guess is is a huge part of the routine. Um, but yeah, it's just mainly waking up, getting getting moving, uh, and then just kind of giving myself at least maybe fifteen minutes to think about what I'm going to do today. Um, I find the day, you know, the days when I just kind of go into it and I just kind of haven't really thought about it is. Uh, it's not as good of a day. So mm. I try to do that as much as I can. So true. We go in on um, reaction mode rather than actually being focused on what we're doing. Hey, yeah, that's right. So is there anything now that would you say that humanitics is still technically in startup phase or do you feel like it's kind of past that and you're now feeling like you're more in the growth phase? Where do you feel it's at at the moment? Yeah, we're, we're probably on that borderline to be honest. It's quite difficult to tell where, I mean, yeah, but we're still we're still very much a startup, but and we want to maintain that startup culture, which is, um, you know, having that growth mindset and being having our eyes open to to exploring ideas and and solving problems that that you know that come our way that we we feel we can solve and should be doing. But um, yeah, I mean, we're we're at a point now where we're growing quickly, and a lot of partners are coming on board to to help us grow, which is really exciting. Um, and our product is is certainly it's got to a stage where it just competes with, with the best products out there, um, which is, which is awesome because, you know, when we, we were starting it, you know, you've got a very basic pilot and you go to very basic event organizers to ask if they would kindly switch to you as, as the ticketing platform to manage their registrations. Um, but yeah, we've certainly, we've certainly passed that point now where we, um, not, we're not just the most ethical ticketing company out there and can achieve the most social good, but, but the platform itself, you know, feature for feature is just, is just awesome. That was, that was actually something very core, um, to us that, that we felt if we ever rely on organizers using our product just because we're the most ethical, we will fail. We cannot rely on that. We have to be both, both the best platform out there solving those core ticketing 
problems that event organizers are experiencing, as well as being the most ethical, where we donate 100% of the profits of those annoying booking fees um, to their charity of choice. And then on top of that, giving them the credit for it so that now they're better off from a marketing perspective and CSR perspective. And then now on every single front, price, product, social procurement, CSR, Humanitics is the total package. And that's we've we've always thought that that if we didn't have that in mind that we wouldn't be successful so mm, yeah, yeah that's, that's really exciting to get to that point mm. you can't just rely on it being for good like no you know, the world still needs to still needs to be seen as being professional so it's i guess it's yeah i agree um is there anything in, that you guys do like when you think about the way everything that you've, you've achieved over the last three years being a startup and running to be obviously um, successful in what you do. How did you go about strategy, or how did you go about creating goals to figure out how to get to the next stage? Yeah, it was. It's, to be honest, it was it was quite a loose. We we had um, well, I guess the first thing is we did we set we, we set very clear budgets of this is the budget that we want to do this year. Meaning this is how much how many ticket sales how much in ticket sales we want to sell this financial year. Um, thankfully, on on the last two budgets, we've beat that amount. But that was really important because that gave us a very clear goal as to how we're going to get to being 100% sustainable ourselves mm -hmm. and that what the path looks like to us becoming a multi-million dollar funder every single year for our charitable projects. And so we've just kind of been laser focused on hitting those, um, uh, those budgets for ticket sales. And, and that was really around, okay, well, what does that take for us to hit our budgets? Okay, there's these kinds of events that we'll be going after. And this is the kind of product that we need to have to be satisfying those events as far as features and, and functionality goes. Okay, so then we dedicate a significant amount of resources to building out the product and building out the features and going after that, that area of the market. And then that kind of transitions and, and, and evolves as we continue to go. Um, that was really the thing that we stayed laser-focused laser on um, goals-wise, I guess, because that, that hard number is is where people will look to at the end of the day, particularly our philanthropists as well. It's like, well, you know, is this thing working? Well, how many tickets are you selling? Are, are clients using you? You know, are, you know, and there's no hiding behind that. So Don't be the that was, that, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Specifically, specifically um, when you have a, a social impact model, that's completely driven around redistribution of booking fees. You know, it's all just around, well, how many booking fees are you, <laughs> you're redistributing. Yeah. Um, and so, that, yeah, that was really important. But strategy-wise, is we, we, you know, we, we really had a learn-as-we-go approach. You know, we we talk with every single one of our clients. We understand what they like about their current solution, what they like about our solution. Once they switch to us, uh, asking them for feedback after their event, during the ticket sales of their event, how can we improve? What don't you like? What do you like? What should we emphasize even further? And you know, in that in that very agile product approach we've been you know th that's been our number one aim is to how do we keep our event organizers happy you know organizers are, 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 have a lot on their plate they're incredibly time poor and there's a whole bunch of ways that, that we can make their lives a lot easier uh, as well as being able to redistribute these fees um, to charitable uh, causes mm. so important like doing that market research i think is one of the key things that helps drive your business forward continuously it's one of the things where if I have a client a new client come to me and they're challenged with what to do next and they're struggling with how to grow their business my one of my first questions is always 
when was the last time you did any research based on the clients you've worked with and the ones you want to work with? Hmm. It's so interesting that so many people can often be so scared to even do that research, but being so open to it and constantly like searching for that feedback, I think is key to growth. It's awesome. Yeah. Mm. I'll tell you a, tr- a trick that, that we found is that, uh, you know, a really nice phone call to an organizer just to say thank you and see how things went and ask for any feedback is, it's it's a it's a business development call that's now turned into a product review call for feedback on your product, and so you mm-hmm. can achieve both in in the same call, and that 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 really helps. And is that because no one's opening email surveys anymore? <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Got to move with the times. So, what would you say? How did you go about building your team out? Like being obviously a not for profit and wanting to make sure that you're making the biggest impact you can. You've obviously got to be really not picky but specific on who you hire and when you hire how did you go about that yeah so uh at the beginning of our journey it was really all around uh um who was interested in joining us so actually the first person that joined us was a was a guy by the name of james humpherson and he joined us at the time that josh had just left his job we were both volunteering we weren't earning anything and james said look i i just saw you uh, you know present at a conference and this was fantastic uh, I want to join you, to which we told him that, well, um, you know, by all means, but not even Josh and I are earning anything and, 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 you know, we want to be upfront with you. And he said, never mind. I love this idea. I love where it's going and I see the opportunity. I'll leave my job. I'll get a bar job over the weekend and work a couple of other weeks and, and I'll join you two, three days a week um, to help get Humanitics off the ground. And, and James wow. is, so that was, that was our first I guess higher. Obviously, a few months later, when we got funding from philanthropists, that's when that's when we were able to pay James and, and pay Josh and myself a little bit, just so we weren't going backwards. Um, but yeah, that was you know that was our first hire, and uh, you know very much you know. You didn't have a choice. You come on board no matter what. <laughs> that's right. That's right. It's just awesome. But then after that, it became it became a, a real focus on product, which was okay. We have to get our product to a point that there is no reason why you wouldn't use Humanitics. If anything, the product is better pound for pound than the other products on the market. Um, and so that's when we had that emphasis on, on, on the technology. So that's when we went to then hire our CTO and then uh, complement uh, the CTO with, with other developers um, and, and, and designers as well um, for the product. It was very much a product focus. And then as we've now kind of shifted more towards sales and marketing, that's where that's where we've kind of started to shift a little bit more to those kinds of skills. Um, but it was really just the needs of, of the business as we evolved, what we saw as our most pressing need and, and then just how that shifts over time and then, and then how, we, how we evolved to fill that. Beautiful. And now that you've grown quite a little, good little team, is there anything that you guys do to develop the culture? Is there anything you do to when you do hire new hires? Is there a philosophy you have around it or anything like that? Yeah, this good question. We've actually um, we've got a little ace up our sleeve in that regard. Our we were named a Westpac Top Twenty Business of Tomorrow as part oh, cool. of the Westpac thing, and that was really cool as a charity to be named a Top Twenty Business of Tomorrow was was it was just awesome. You know, that's the world starting to blend that we're that we're trying to create. But um, in that, we got given a mentor, and we were lucky enough to get John Eels as our mentor, the ex Wallabies captain. And uh, we've done quite a few culture sessions with John and he's absolutely fantastic. I've learned so much 
from him, as has Josh and as, as everyone in the team when it comes to building culture, when it comes to what matters, when it comes to communicating well. Um, so that has certainly helped. Um, but we've also, uh, I guess, just try to emulate some of the things that allowed um, humanitics to work in the first place under stressful circumstances of sharing a salary, et cetera. And we try to really un uncover what, what those things were. And one of the things that we, we found that we did really well was that if something is bothering you, it's on about me, or, or if something's bothering me about you, it's on me to raise that with you straight away. If I let that fester for two weeks, that something's bothering me about you, then that's, that's now my fault. I shouldn't have let that fester. I should have raised that straight away and, and nipped that in the bud. Um, you know, if you let that fester, it's your own fault. And that's, that's really something that, that held us well. And that's, that's something that, uh, you know, we emulate in the team and just to not let those things, those boils, things, things are spoken and aired really quickly and, and really efficiently, which, which really helps. Mm. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah, that's right. The other, I mean, the other interesting thing that Josh and I, uh, recognized at the beginning, particularly while sharing a salary was that, you know, depending on the demands of the business, things are never even at one point in time in terms of how much are you giving to this and how much am I giving to this? And is that even that will never be even at any one point in time because it, it will fluctuate and over time it'll largely be, you know, even, but at any one point in time, it's very uneven. And to recognize that from day one was really important. So that's, that's also something that we just, you know, you, there's, there's different demands on the business at different times and that's okay. Mm. Um, and that, and that, you know, if you're, if you're having an easier time right now, then go and support somebody that's having a tougher time because, you know, they're, they're having a much harder time right now and they, they could really use your help. And, and in six months time, the shoe will be on the other foot. And, and that's, that's really important. Mm, very good. So has there been any, major failure anything that didn't work that you guys have learnt from and you look back on and kind of laugh at it now but it's something that was huge at the time yeah our, our, our pilot in the early days um we, we were ticketing an event and we we underestimated the the volume and we and we crashed oh um, <laughs> thankfully we got it up in you know i think about half an hour or something like that but you know, it was, we were so excited that, that we've got this, ah, this, this night, this big event and, and they're so happy to be using us and we're happy to, with them. And we didn't realize that they'd sent out an email to tens of thousands of people and it all got them to, to go and click on the vote, on the register now link at the exact same second. Oh, so, God. <laughs> and we, we just, yeah. And, uh, we, and that was on our pilot when we, when we had started. And, and, that, and then we, cra and we were so excited to see the volumes come in and then we just flatlined and had crashed. And then we, we quickly recovered and then, and then we did a whole bunch of marketing efforts to recover, you know, to recover any lost sales that they were, that they were grateful for, but oof, they really, really had our heart in our sleeve. <laughs> Fun. So what do you feel is next with Humanitics? Now that you, um, obviously with the impact challenge with Google, where do you want to take it next? Uh, yeah, we want to um, continue to grow strongly here in Australia and as well we'll be going to New Zealand now. Cool. Um, which is really exciting. Um, there is, yeah, there is so much potential and opportunity for us to scale out this, this product and this idea and it's really just around put, continuing to put our heads down and scale 
it's all it's all around scale now. There's another interesting aspect to what we do, which is that we we recognise that people with disabilities are having a terrible time trying to attend live events, and so much so that that, that many of them have just given up trying to go to live events because it's always typically a disaster. And so we've done a lot, quite a few design thinking workshops with a lot of people with with ranging disabilities to discover what it is that would be most important for them to understand in order to give them confidence to attend. And what we've done is distilled that into a tool for organizers. So it takes three minutes to fill out the most important information to help people with disabilities understand how they're going to attend your event with confidence. And we guide the organizer very much on making it really quick and simple, even if you're an organizer that doesn't know much about accessibility or anything at all. And so that's become an, an awesome focus of ours. And, and we're really going to be doubling down on improving that accessibility tool because there's so much good that can be done there in allowing uh, people with disabilities to be better included in, in events, community events, etc. cetera. Um, we found that the number one problem raised by people with disabilities is a lack of community participation and social inclusion. And wow. events are at the heart of community participation. And, and we as the ticketing platform hold the key to an organiser having a more inclusive event. Um, and that's why Vision Australia and Australian Network on Disability are all super excited about what we're doing and, and trying to help us out to achieve it. And, um, and that's very much a focus for us to, to, do, to do good in that way as well. So we, we now very much see ourselves as our social goals as being dual focus. So one is on the accessibility front to transform event accessibility. And the other is around, you know, mining these billions of dollars in booking fees to use them to alleviate global inequality. Mm, awesome. Do you get to hear much back from the charities that you do donate through the, through the booking fees? Do you get to hear much about the impact from them? What it's yes, doing? absolutely. Yeah. Um, and so we will work closely with them to, to focus on a specific project as well inside their charity so that we can make it as transparent as possible for an organiser to tell them exactly what their event achieved. Awesome. That's really, really powerful. We also do it so transparently that on the dashboard, as the organizer is selling tickets, we tell you exactly how much booking fees have been redistributed um, to the charity and what the charity does with that money. Mm. Awesome. Any key uh, big takeaways that you've had from that that you look back on and go, wow, that was huge impact? Uh, I mean, all of our charities are phenomenal. Um, uh, yeah, uh, the, I mean, the literacy programs that we're now supporting through the, through the developing world are just unbelievably inspiring and, um, and, and phenomenal, um, as well as the other education projects we do here domestically in Australia. Um, I just, it's just the, the personal stories that come out of that and um, to know that you've, you've kind of made that impact. And, and that's what we find is most amazing when an organizer will use our product and then we then report to them exactly what the impact was. And it will be something very big and tangible, like literacy programs for 125 girls in this part of the world. Um, and then all of a sudden, it, you know, it just becomes that much more real and mm -hmm. such a no-brainer to use Humanitics because it's like, well, oh, wow, I just, I just ran my event like I normally would have. And now all of this good has come out of, out of my event. Um, that's just amazing. Or it was a Theratog suit for a child who suffered from muscular dystrophy and now, you know, this child can walk again. And it was just because of my event doing ticketing mm. and it didn't cost me anything, but it was just, this, this is amazing. 
Um, and that's where we find it's really, really awesome to see people engage on that level and, and appreciate, appreciate what we're doing. That's awesome because there's often a disconnect there where you, when you give back to certain charities and you're like, oh, this is my donation, but then you never often hear the actual impact that it's making. So that's really cool that you can do that. Hmm. So is there anything that you're listening to or reading at the moment that you find motivating? Uh, yeah, I've just finished reading uh, Homo Deus, actually. It was the uh, Yuval Harari's latest book. Uh, I found that, yeah, it was his the one after sapiens i'm not sure if you've if you've read it um yeah it was it was it was what he's thinking is based on how humans behave how we might navigate in the future and what we might gravitate towards in cool. terms of technologies and the way we apply them um that was that was particularly interesting and yeah i, I prefer non-fiction over fiction although i don't know I, i've got to start reading more fiction it's getting too non-fictiony <laughs> It's been a while since I've read a fiction book. Too long. Yeah. Okay, so the last couple of questions. Um, I would love to know, is there anything in particular that you do to celebrate your wins within the team? Like when you hit a certain target or a goal, what do you do to celebrate? Uh, we, yeah, we're, pretty, we're pretty simple. We, we have a nice barbecue. Uh, we might go to a park um, and just kind of hang out and eat some nice food and, and you know, drink some beers and have a swim or, or go to the beach and might do a morning uh, beach session now, particularly that the that summer's coming around. So we'll do a, a nice morning session or a morning team walk. There's a lot of um, national parks around where our office is based. So we might do a morning bushwalk. Nice. Um, yeah, we just we just find that that's, that's nice. It gives people an opportunity to, to connect and just have a good time and relax. And, and Cool. Nothing too, nothing too fancy. Yeah, but it's still nice. It's still good, good to hear that you actually do celebrate it because sometimes not, not many people do. <laughs> like we just go, what's next? What's the next big thing we're going to target? Uh, we, we've been very guilty of that, I've, I'll be honest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what, are you, what are you looking forward to in 2019? Uh, yeah, the thing I'm looking forward most to is us, us really getting into a whole new groove. Um, we've, yeah just with the, with the, with the way the products come along with the, with the volume of events that are coming on to, onto the platform, really going to the next level for our clients and making them feel like they're well taken care of and that their events are going to be smooth because of us. And then, and then, and then really doing a much better job to work closer with our, with our charity, charity partners to understand what impact is being done, how we can optimize that, how we can make it better how we can communicate that back to our organizers. Um, yeah, getting, getting much more involved on the impact side as well to, to ensure that that impact is meaningful and tangible. Um, yeah, that, that's, that's, that's really going to be a big focus in 2019. Awesome. And last question, if you ha is there any key advice that you've been given over the years or if the is there any advice you would like to impart on someone who possibly has an idea they want to take to become successful? Just try. <laughs> Just give it a go. Um, yeah, when you when you when you create something, and then all of a sudden people are using it, and and then they you know and they're taking it for granted. Only you know the day you know years ago when it was just some idea that you had and thinking about doing, and oh, I could never do something like that. That's you know it's where every idea starts from, and 
and is, you know, just, just give it a try and learn and, and be open and surround yourselves with good people. Because if you try to do everything yourself, uh, that is a very difficult, unnecessary, uh, you know, resistance that you're placing on yourself. Mm. Um, so just give it a go. Surround yourself with people that mean uh, that, that believe in what you're trying to achieve and, and have similar values. Um, and, and, the, and, and honestly, what's the worst that can happen? Mm. Great. Thank you so much. That's really beautiful. I just want to acknowledge you for all the work that you're doing in the world, the impact that you're making and the way that you are disrupt disrupting the ticketing platform. I think it's incredible. And I want to thank you so much for your time today and all of your insights. Thank you. It was a pleasure to be on the podcast. Thank you. Thanks again. Thank you for listening. And I hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Next Level Life podcast. I'd love to hear any takeaways that you've had from today's episode, so please share with me on Instagram and Facebook. And if you feel so moved, please pass this episode on to any friends or family that you feel may benefit from it. Looking forward to speaking with you next week, and here's to taking your life to the next level.